to the details of life. I'm your host, Marcus Wilson, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for spending another episode with me today. I'm sure you will love this one, and I know I say that often, but to be quite honest, I've loved all of them. And if you really have watched most of the episodes, especially the last couple, the one with Conzo Martin was just outstanding. You know, we didn't even talk basketball. We talked a lot about life, social justice, some of the racial tension going on in America. If you haven't watched that, make sure you go back and see that. My last episode was with Damon Stoudemire. Again, we talked a little basketball, but we talked about his time at Arizona, experiences that he had in the NBA, you know, just a lot of cool stuff from a perennial All-American and a really good player in the NBA. So make sure you go back and check those out. Before we get into the the next episode and my next guest, I do want to give a plug real quick. I got into some merchandise and this shirt right here that I have on. And as you see on the screen right now, Love over hate, love over indifference, love over ignorance, love over ego, love over fear, love over barriers, love over borders, love over and over and over again. Ladies and gentlemen, I just think that's the message right now that this world needs. And so if you're interested in getting this T-shirt in black or in gray, check the link below. You'll see it. Contact me and I'll ship it off to you in the mail. Moving on to our next guest, though. Today, I have a, a great young coach. Uh, he's been, you know, he's been in the game for 20 years now. Dietrich Taylor, Cal State Fullerton. Coach Taylor has had multiple stops. UC Davis, Loyola Marymount, uh, Nevada, uh, Arizona State, and is now obviously the head coach at, at Cal State Fullerton. And he has had a plethora of experiences. We had a chance to talk about a lot of cool stuff. A couple of really good talking points that we talked about was his his experiences coaching at Arizona State. Not only coaching James Harden, we talked about. Did he know how good James Harden was going to be? But also, you know, the difference in coaching between a BCS school and a non-BCS school. I've talked about that before, but he gave us a little bit more detail, uh, told us a story about how he spent more money in one month at Arizona State than he did the entire year recruiting at Cal State Fullerton and how he had to make those adjustments to be successful at Cal State Fullerton. We also talked about this really cool concept in this group that he runs called the Think Tank. If you haven't heard of it, make sure you stay tuned. It is an awesome uh, collaboration of young coaches and some ideas that I think you guys need to know about. So a lot of cool stuff. You're going to learn a lot right here. This is a really engaging, intelligent young guy, really good coach. You're going to love him. So without further ado, let's go ahead and chime in with Cal State Fullerton head coach, Dietrich Taylor. Like I just prefaced, ladies and gentlemen, today we have head coach of Cal State Fullerton, Dietrich Taylor, joining us today. How you doing today, coach? I'm good, man. I'm super excited to be here. Appreciate the opportunity and anxious to uh, anxious to partake. Man, I am too, man. I've heard a lot of great things about you from everybody that has talked to me and uh, referred you. So I want to go ahead and dive right in. You know, I was looking, yeah. I always do my research. Sure. And it, and it said that you got your your start at UC Davis in 2000. And then you went to Loyola Marymount and it says that you were the strength and conditioning coach. Did you go there as a strength and conditioning coach or was that just part of your role as being assistant? What, what was that? What's that about? No, that that must be a typo. I need to hit up these okay. wicked people, people <laughs> and get that straight. So I went um, at that time, man, I was the third coach, but I was the last year of the third, uh, the restricted earnings coach. So at that time, that coach, the third guy, couldn't go on the road. Everything I did was on campus, um, and strength and conditioning was one of, the, one of the areas that I oversaw. But I wasn't the strength and conditioning coach. In fact, we had a really, really good guy. His name is Chris Rounds. He's at uh, University of Arizona now and has been there for, for quite some time. And he's obviously one of the best that does what he does. 
Um, but, but yeah, no, that wasn't, that wasn't my thing. I was more, um, you know, kind of a behind the scenes deal. And again, like I said, I didn't get to go out on the road. So everything I did was on campus. I was more the hands-on uh, dude in terms of, you know, the campus relationships and, and team travel and equipment and all of those types of things, the behind the scenes um, stuff that, that, you know, goes into putting on a successful program and, Having done some of those things in terms of organized team travel, um, team team breakfast, you know, all of the things that go into the nuances of, of, of creating a successful program, I literally had hands-on experience of, of doing it. And so I now know, you know, what that looks like, how to do it, how to, how to organize it, how to orchestrate it. And so it's been very, very beneficial for me as I've moved from that particular space um, on down the road up to becoming a head coach. It sounds like a little bit of basically what uh, Adobo would be doing nowadays. Yeah, yeah, it basically was, except we had Adobo, um, and, I, and we kind of split a lot of the responsibilities. In fact, the Adobo that was there now, he's no longer coaching. He's actually one of my financial advisors. Uh, mm. He deals with, with money, what little bit, little bit, and I mean little bit <laughs> of money that I have. He right. helps me manage it. But um, I think the biggest difference between what he was doing and what I was doing is, is that I actually had scouts. So I could do scouts on the court. Um, I had every third team just like, you know, guys break it up now. But um, looking back, you know, that was, that was a long time ago, man. That's, that, was, that was a long time ago. I'm not yeah, even you've, been, you've been around for a little while, man. So yeah, you've done a I lot. Makes up for this gray hair and this big ball spot I got rolling in. <laughs> oh, man. Well, for the sake of – because you have been in the game for a while. Uh, we're going to, you know, we'll fast forward through some of your stops. So after that, yeah. you went to Portland State, right? Yeah. And then you went to Nevada, had a yeah. couple of really good successful years there, won a couple of WAC titles, coached some pros, Nick Fizikas, Ramon Sessions, Kevin Pinkley, Kevin I think Pinkley, stayed yeah. played in the NBA for a little while. Yep. We'll kind of go past that because you did. I mean, I, I don't want to brush over it because you, you yeah. had a couple of really successful years. But yeah. I want to get to when you got to Arizona State, coached sure. another pro by the name of yeah. James Harden. So I wanted yeah. to kind of ask you when you got there and, I know when I saw him and he was drafted, I was like, you know, maybe he'll, you know, he'll be all right. But did you have any idea when you were coaching him there how good he would be? I mean, because he's obviously a perennial all-star, one of the best scorers in, in the NBA right now. Did you know that he had this potential to be this good? No, um, not this good as quickly as he became as good as he is. You know, I thought he could eventually become a dude, you know, become an all-star, but, but, you know, like you said, arguably right now, he's one of the best scoring guards that's that's out there, um, particularly when you cut the court in half and you only focus on the defense or offensive side of the, of the ball. Man, I don't, I don't know that there's very few people, or I don't know if there's very many people out there that can do what he does uh, in terms of dominating the game. And I think the thing that James has always had is he's always had a very high IQ and a very good understanding of seeking and making the right basketball decision. Um, and sometimes that bright basketball decision is him scoring. Sometimes it's, you know, his hook pass to the corner because they've helped off, off out of the corner. And so I, he's always had that. Um, when we first got him at Arizona State, we had to kind of push him to become who he was. Like coming into Arizona State, he was a McDonald's All-American, um, but he didn't carry himself like that. He kind of was just a normal dude. He was also 17 years old when he started his freshman year at Arizona State. So he was younger. Um, I won't say he was young-minded because he wasn't. He was very mature, very, very well aware of his surroundings and what was going on and, and um, did an unbelievable job of, of, of really uh, quickly adjusting to the college-level game from high school 
Um, and then, you know, I would say in short order, he started to dominate. And one particular story, uh, real quick, I'll give you is he was a freshman and we were playing uh, Arizona, University of Arizona at Arizona State, which is an extremely heated rival. I mean, like, like one of the best in the country. And so the place is packed and it's low possession, um, last possession of the game. James has the ball and uh, the defender, I think his name is uh, McClellan. I've, I've actually since talked to him since then, but um, he was one of their better defenders. And he, James, at that time, same, he still goes left. You know he's going left. He's going to go left. So this guy was literally way up on the high side of, of James. And James is telling him, you, you know, he's a freshman, 17. You know I'm about to go left, right? And they're talking about this. And the clock's winding down, and James is like, you know I'm about to go left, right? And the kid's like, this dude's a senior, by the way. What? You know I'm about to go left. I'm about to go left right now. And he jukes my man to the right. Dude jumps well below him, opens up the middle of the floor. James goes to the basket and one, wins the game. And from that point forward, that's that he became that dude. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds like a, a superstar level play. When they tell you what, you, what they're about to do, and still and still execute it. So man, that's that's crazy. Uh, yeah. One more one more Arizona State question. You, while you were there, you coached with uh, Herb Sendak, which is a longtime legendary coach. You know what were some of the things that you learned from him that helped prepare you for your next stop, which is where you're at now as a head coach. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at Herb over the course of his career, he's he's arguably got the most amount of sitting head coaches uh, in college basketball. I think at one point there were nine of us. And obviously that's kind of come and gone just based on guys, different guys moving around here or there. But honestly, man, I think the thing that, that Herb does for you is he, he, for me personally, preparation, how he prepares, not just basketball wise, but just how he prepares and how he organizes himself to create and generate a plan. And within that plan, there's always, um, you know, alternatives, but he's researched these alternatives and he's, He's combed through all of these different information, all this different information to create the best possible scenario. Um, and that has worn off on me in a tremendous way. Uh, being able to just sit and watch film, like a lot of guys say that they do it, but to be able to sit with Herb Sendek and watch film and see the game through his eyes. I mean, he literally could watch one clip 35 different times and point out probably 45 different things that are transpiring in each clip. Like that's how detailed he is. That's how smart he is. Um, but he's also able to create different scenarios based on things that he sees and being able to manipulate the defense or manipulate the offense to create what he thinks is the best possible scenario. And again, you know, him being able to him, him spending time with me and allowing me to learn from him, um, has has paid off major major dividends for for me, um, as well as some of the other guys that that I've worked with. That you know, the last year before I came up, became a head coach, I was on staff with Eric Musselman, who's now at the University of Arkansas, uh, Larry Greer, who's back in the NBA with with the Phoenix Suns. Um, that was our staff. Previous to that, I worked with Mark Phelps, who was at Drake as a head coach and was at Arizona and Marquette. I mean, and the list goes on and on. Uh, Scott Para, who's now the head coach at Rice. Lamont Smith, who was a head coach at the University of San Diego. And so, you know, again, the thing that Herb does, man, is he, he challenges you to really, really think about what you're saying and or doing. Like, you're not just going to be able to walk in his offices and just say, make some random comment. Like, right. he's going he's gonna to challenge you to, what, what, what? Why would you do that? 
where'd you get that from? What did you think about that? You know, so he's, he's going, you know, he's one of those really, really smart guys. And it just, you know, inevitably it wears off on you. And I'm so grateful that, that he, I had the opportunity to work alongside him for seven years. Yeah, man, I've, I've heard that from multiple different people. That's why I really wanted to ask you that, that his, just his mind, the way he thinks and prepares and sees the game at a different level than the average coach, man. That's, that's, that's interesting to hear. So, you know, you go from Arizona State to Cal uh, State Fullerton, and, you know, I wanted to ask you about when, when you're at a school like Arizona State, Power Five Conference, Power Five budget and resources, right? And so what's the adjustment like going from a place like that with all those extra – all those extra resources and a much bigger budget to go into a smaller school like Cal State Fullerton in terms of uh, scheduling, traveling, even hiring your staff, how much you can pay. What are some of the things that the average fan, you know, they, they, they may not know the mm -hmm. adjustment that it takes to go from a school with a huge budget like that, Power Five conference, to a smaller school? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a dynamic um, adjustment, and in some ways it can overwhelm you it could consume you to where you are used to doing things at, at Arizona state level. Right. It's not, it's, it's literally apples and oranges here. So much so to a point to where during the interview process for this job, they asked me about the budget at Arizona state. And, and, and you know, I kind of tried to shy away from it. Like, let's not talk about that. Cause it's not even close. And so they kept egging me on. I said, okay, well, here you go. So in one month, in one month, I spent $40,000 in one month. I spent $40,000 recruiting by myself, just me, $40,000. I said, tell me what your recruiting budget is. It was less than 40,000. The entire recruiting budget here at Cal State Fullerton was less than $40,000. So for the whole year? The whole year. Wow. For the whole year. And I spent that in one month, okay? Like one month. That's not, that's not you know, a full recruiting season. And so, you know, I, I think the best way to say it, man, is this, is that at a place like Arizona State or a BCLS level school where they throw money at problems or issues at our level at Fullerton, you know, the people you have, you have to utilize them to the best of their, the best of their ability because you're not going to be able to throw money to make problems go away. You got to throw man hours at them. And so there's a ginormous difference between the two. Um, you know, so much so as far as, you know, you, you start looking at deals as far as, you know, okay, we're going to travel up to play at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. We're looking for a hotel that within that rate of 129, it includes breakfast. You know, just doing different things like that. Um, trying to, like at Arizona State, we had a preferred airlines. Uh, at the time, I, I think it was America West. Uh, was the airlines, which is now American. If you were traveling out of Arizona, or excuse me, out of Phoenix, Arizona, uh, America West had the first right of refusal. If they had a more expensive flight, then you could use another airline. So you just racked up all these crazy amount of miles. And, and whereas here, I mean, dude, we fly, we might fly out on Southwest and fly back on Spirit. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's completely different. Not, not quite Spirit, but um, you get the gist of what I'm playing. I'm saying we use, we use every, every, every possible angle to try to, you know, take care of our budget. We don't splurge. We don't do things, you know, crazy. Um, we've created a situation where now it's, it's manageable and, and, and we can do what we need to do from a functionality standpoint. But it took us some time to get there, to, to get things um, on a level where we could be productive. And, and obviously, still, there's more that, that can be done. There's more that needs to be done. Um, but, 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 you know, quite frankly, one of the biggest differences between us and them, uh, 
that level is, is half the time at this level, you're normally, your biggest opponent is the, is the school that you're wearing. That, that's your biggest opponent because of how they do things, um, what their mindset is. They may have some archaic uh, rules that are specific to your school and they, they tie your hands and they make it even more difficult to compete against the schools in your league than, than it actually needs to be. And so in a lot of ways, you know, fans, they think, oh, he's a head coach and he's got this opportunity and this, 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 and this. Man, there's more headaches than anything um, that go into this, this deal it's across the board, you know, recruiting, budget, um, the types of players you're able to recruit, how you're able to recruit them. All of those things now, they become, you know, as an assistant, they were, they were a suggestion. Now it's, this is what happens. What you say is what happens. Yep, yep, man. I, I know some of this because, you know, I, I had a couple of years at St. Louis University and I know a lot of college coaches, but I yep. think fans don't realize that, that the adjustment that sometimes you have to make. I, I guess it, it's almost like if someone was making $100,000 yeah. and then all of a sudden they got a job for fifteen dollars to $20,000, you could probably figure out how to survive. But yeah. you got to change your whole way of lifestyle. You got to change your whole lifestyle if you want to survive, right? Everything, your mindset, um, your personal desires change. Everything changes, and you have to see it from a completely different lens. Um, in a lot of ways, that that makes or breaks a coach at this level is how they're able to adjust. If they're coming from a BCS level school, are they able to understand? Okay, I'm not. I'm no longer at that level. How can I creatively make up the difference? Yep. Yeah, man, there's uh, there's countless examples I've heard about, like, you know, at the BCS level, you know, head coach might have a, a private flight right after practice, shoot out, watch a kid play open gym, come back, sleep in his own bed. Okay. Or, you know, uh, recruiting becomes completely national versus when your budget, when you when you're looking at your recruiting budget, now you're like, yeah. we need to focus on this guy a little bit more regionally, because if we spent all this money to go out and recruit this kid in Baltimore and he says no, that's right. money we could have used. Yeah. for this kid here. And so just a lot of things that the average fan doesn't realize. I want to, so thanks, thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, um, but regardless of budget, regardless of budget, you've gotten the job done. You know, you've been there for six years, your first three years, I think you finished like seventh, ninth, ninth, these last three years, you finish uh, second, fourth, third, highlighted by 2018, winning the big West conference tournament, going to the NCAA tournament. So what, what has been some of the things that you, that have changed that have allowed you to have much more success these last three years than your, than your initial three? Um, you know, I think, I think the, the age old adage of you just get more comfortable sitting in this seat um, and you start to understand and become more aware of who you are as a coach, what you feel like you can be successful with sometimes is much different um, when you get in the actual seat. So when we first got here, my mindset as a coach was, is, hey, if they're talented enough, bring them. Regardless of character, if they're talented enough, let's get them. I can coach them. Well, I quickly figured out that's not the case. Low character, low energy, non, non-motivated dudes, I just have no soul for them. But it took me you know, a year or two of going through that and dealing with what I thought I could handle um, to understand I can't. I choose not to. I don't want to. And now I'm in a position where if you look, smell, act, anything like that, I run in the opposite direction. Like, I don't want to have any, I don't even want to know you. I don't, don't even bring you up to me just because we can't, there's nothing that we can do together other than fight. Like, if you want to fight, then okay, <laughs> we can do that. But as far as working together and trying to chase success, no chance. And so um, I think that's been the, the biggest difference, man, is just understanding how you define winning. 
Um, I was having a conversation with a coach, uh, a female coach who used to be here. She's now a head coach at the Division II level. And she kept talking about winning and winning and winning. I said, well, what does winning mean? How do you define winning? What's important to you? And so being able to really get comfortable of what that means to you and not only get comfortable, but being able to answer that question in three bullet points, like what describes winning to you? Um, it took some time for me to be able to understand that, for me to be able to define it for myself and then be able to uh, hold our team accountable to what those things are so that we could start seeing some success. Um, and one of those things for us is we just found um, guys that were willing to work. They just worked. Like I went into the weight room and I asked the, the, the weight room coach, um, who it, of our, among our 17 sports, who's the hardest working team? And before I could complete the question, he immediately said baseball. And if you know anything about Cal State Fullerton, they're, they're synonymous with success with their baseball program. Their baseball program is, they've won national championships. They've been to, the, to, the, to Omaha uh, multiple times. I mean, it's, it's a huge deal. And so that success, I was able to equate it with giving our team a tangible um, point of reference. You know, when you walk in there and you see the baseball team in there, just watch what they do. Watch how hard they work. And so we became a version of that. We wanted to challenge the baseball team in terms of becoming the hardest working team. And that focused our group's attention. It focused their efforts. And they began to put in the work. And then there's the work, but then there's also the extra work that goes in when nobody's looking, nobody's around. How are you managing yourself? How are you handling business? What are you doing? And we had one kid in particular a kid out of Brooklyn, New York. His name is Kyle Allman Jr. He's now playing over in Spain. Um, but he came in and, and he really set the example of what working was um, because he was committed to getting better. And now that, that commitment to getting better has now become a part of who we are. We, we, we coin ourselves, develop you. We want guys that want to come here and grow and develop. What does that look like? And so we'll go through certain things and help them understand what that takes. And Kyle is a guy who came here as a typical New York driving, athletic wing that could really put it on the floor and get to the rim. And so teams started to back off of him. And he went from, I think, his junior year, his sophomore year, he shot 23% from three up to 42% from three. And people say, well, how do you do that? Well, you got to put in the work to figure out what, how do I become a better shooter and then the shot selection and just all of the things that go into becoming uh, aware of your own personal game and highlighting what you do. And so that, that has become a, a pillar of ours is just, we're going to outwork people. We're going to outwork, um, you know, our opponent. And, and that's become something that we've grown to expect from our group. Um, and then we started adding different talent and, and probably the most important thing has just been the character piece, high character guys that, they're going to make mistakes, no question, but they understand right from wrong and they're driven by trying to do right. And when they do make a mistake, they accept the responsibility for that mistake. They learn from it, they grow from it, and then they move on. We've been able to identify more and more and more and more of those kinds of guys and surround our program with those types of guys. And it's just taken off and it becomes, it's become now to a point to where like if you come in our weight room and you're not working, I don't have to say anything. The weight room coach doesn't have to say anything. Our guys are going to challenge you and say, what are you doing? This, this is not, this, you want to work not, like that? That's not our culture here. Right. Yeah. You, you want to do that? Then you got to get out. Matter of fact, you got to leave. Like, leave the program. Get out. And so 
Uh, we've built it that way. And, and again, the buy-in and the ownership from our players has been unbelievable again. And I think it changed just because of the high character driven men that are willing to buy into growth and development and they just want to get better. It's great to hear you say that as a head coach. Cause I, you know, I have some kids or parents hit me up and say, Hey, you know, can you send my, you know, talk to this coach about my kid and, you know, let them know. And I'm, you know, and I'm like, well, first thing is, first thing they're going to ask me is not how many points he averages. What, what's the kid's attitude like? What's, yeah. you know, what, what's his character like? Then yeah. they're probably going to want to ask for some transcripts, yeah. then film. And that's yeah. crazy because, you, you know what I'm saying, it's character, grades, because if, if those two things aren't there, it just can't even happen. Most head coaches are like, I just can't even deal with it, you know. So yeah. it's good yeah. to hear you double down on that for anybody out there yeah. listening. Man, they don't realize the character of the kid. And oftentimes, for some coaches, the parents. Say it again. <laughs> the parents as well can be a factor in all of that as well. So, man, it's awesome to hear you break that down for us. No doubt. Man, one thing I'm really – oh, before I go on, another thing that you, you – a gem that you just hit on, when I'm talking to kids about working out, mm-hmm. and they're like, man, I was just at practice for two hours. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, everybody's practicing two hours. So if you don't put in that extra work, how are you ever going to get better than the guy who was better than you last year? Unless you're the freak of nature like Anthony Davis that grows 10 inches in one summer. If this guy's practicing two hours and you're practicing two hours and y'all just keep doing that, how do you expect to ever get better than him or beat that team that kept beating you by one point last year? You know what I'm saying? No question. And and I'll even take that one step further in terms of, like, what are you working on? What are you doing? As you're doing the extra work, what are you actually doing? Are you over there? working on step back threes and crossing this guy and crossing that guy out? Or are you trying to figure out how to be efficient with your dribble? You know, and I'm referencing the last dance, like Michael Jordan, in my mind, the greatest of all time. You watch with these clips, dude, he's not stepping back. He's not going between his legs. He just, he's one, two dribble and he's up in the air before anybody else can get, you know, before anybody else can gather, he's already up in the air finishing his plays. Now, that's an athletic piece that he has, but I also think that, you know, he just, he, the game for him is just so fundamentally sound and he just focuses on the fundamentals and, and he's really, really, really good at it. Yeah, 100%, man. Uh, I, I mean, I could talk basketball with you all day, <laughs> but one of the things that I'm really excited about talking to you about is you're part of this group, the Think Tank. And yeah. I've heard a lot of coaches talk about it. You're doing great things. So could you tell us a little bit about that? What is it and what is its purpose? Yeah, so the Think Tank is something that we've created since we've been here at Cal State Fullerton. And, and how I came across the idea was, is when I got the job, there was a handful of African-American assistant coaches that were asking one of my assistant coaches, you know, well, hey, how does D do this? And what did he think about this? And what about this? And I said, hey, dude, at the end of the season, let's just all get in a room and you can ask me whatever. In fact, let's ask each other those same questions. So you're just not hearing it from me. You're hearing it from you know, these, all these other, other, other guys. And so we kind of patterned it after uh, the Villa 7, the Nike Villa 7, which is a program back in the day that was responsible for preparing the top assistant coaches for head coaching opportunities. And so we kind of took that model and took that mindset and generated something specific to African-American coaches and, and created the think tank. Um, there's a, uh, the AD now at uh, UMKC, his name is Brandon Martin, we were kicking around different ideas of what to call it. And so we, taught, we coined it the think tank because it just gives it a different level of, 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 of respect, I think, and a different mindset of what, what you can expect from it. And so um, what we do, man, is we get in a room with, with, I mean, I've had maybe as many as 35, 40 coaches, African-American coaches. 
we get in a room and we bring various speakers about various topics that impact us as African-American coaches, but also impact our ability to, to have success and move on and continue to find success non-X-N-O related. We never talk hoop because in my opinion, basketball, the X and O piece, it's, 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 it's what you think. There's different ways to find success. But I think there's other things out there that, that are happening behind the scenes that we need to be a part of, we need to be aware of. And so we'll bring in agents, we'll bring in search firms. We've had a mental health coach. We've had um, a DJ who curates environments and uh, atmospheres because of jobs like I have, that's one of the goals you're going to have to deal with is, is creating an atmosphere. Sitting in the head coach's seat, not only do you have to recruit, worry about the budget, but now you got to worry about creating an atmosphere that, that people want to come and be a part of. And so it's been an unbelievable networking opportunity for a growth development. We've been that same theme and, and carried it over to the think tank, and it's something that is, has kind of taken on a life of its own. And it's funny, every year I say, oh, I'm done, I'm not doing it the next year, and, and, and it just continues to to grow and, and man, I can't tell you how many relationships have been forged out of it. Um, you know, we've had three head coaches have been hired out of there, not necessarily because of the think tank, but the ADs in the room watching an assistant coach on a panel and talk. And the AD leans over to me and says, I like him, I rock with him. Well, she ends up having a job available in the middle of the season, she immediately engages with that assistant coach and she ends up hiring him and he's, he's been her coach for the last two years. And so, you know, those types of opportunities are not, they're not all out there. And so trying to create those types of opportunities for ourselves, I think is something that we have to do a better job of. And, and, and Think Tank has tried to step in and, and fill that void to a certain degree. Man, like I said, I, I love that idea. I love what you're doing. A lot of other people have told me about it. I've done a little research after I heard about it, man. It's, mm -hmm. But even just the, like you said, the X's and O's are one thing, but the financial advisors, the mental health awareness, the, all these other things that contribute to your success. And mm -hmm. to, to know that you're providing that, man, that, that's, a, that's an yeah, awesome thing. Well, we got to hurt. We got to get you out here. When we, when we get a chance to go back outside again, we'll, we'll make sure we get you, uh, get you out here and give you some space to, uh, to talk to the group. That'd be awesome. I would love to, man. I would love to and just soak up some of that knowledge. So appreciate sure. that invite. I'm gonna take yeah. you up on it. Um man, we looking do. forward into looking forward into next season. Um, you know, do you have any incoming freshmen, any guys that were sitting out, any grad transfers or anybody that that, that might jump off to us next year and have a have a breakout year? And what are some of your expectations for your team next year? Yeah, you know, I have a really, really high level of expectation for this particular group. I feel like our staff has really, really done a good job of, of, of cornering the market on things that, that we needed to, to help ourselves get better this year. Signed two freshmen, one out of uh, Omaha, Nebraska, um, Latrell. Um, and he's a guy I think he can really, really score. He's, he's, he's a guy who I think – um, will come in and create a lot of opportunities for himself and a lot of opportunities for, for our group. Um, we signed another young man, Dante Maddox Jr. out of Chicago, who played for his dad. And on his high school team, there are now six, there were six Division I players on his high school team. And so he's a guy that's, that's uber, uber talented. Like we got him early thanks to one of our coaches, Coach Dunson. We signed him early. Um, and over the course of the year, all of the big boys was like, how did he get? To what? So I'm really, really excited about him. And uh, we got another 
a graduate transfer from Missouri State, Josh Hall, who I think will bring an unbelievable amount of experience, um, length. Um, um, he does a, a versatility. He's super versatile. He can play one, two, three, and four. Um, even this year at Missouri State, I think he guarded a five. He's a six, seven athlete that that has a very high IQ. And again, I go back to the experience. This is a guy that has scored, you know, 20 and 25 points a game in the NCAA tournament. And he's probably played about three or four of those games. So again, I, I, you know, really excited about those, those three guys in particular. We got another transfer from Oakland University, uh, Trey Maddox, no relation to Dante. Um, but, but again, he's 6'5", he's super athletic, um, and he can score it at all three levels. And the thing about all of these guys, we ended up signing seven new guys. The thing about them is they're all high character, um, you know, individuals that are motivated by just getting better, taking advantage of the opportunity to get better and find a way to get better. And so um, we're, we're really excited about the newness of this team, the energy. I did a Zoom call with them yesterday, and I could just feel – their energy is just is just completely different than what um, what we had last year. We struggled last year, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that guys were a little bit delusional as to what um, what they could do and what to expect from them. We lost two really really good players, Kyle Allman Jr. the year before, and Khalil uh, Ahmad. They were the number two and number five uh, leading scorers in school history. And so again, as a part of winning, guys just expect to be able to just walk in and take over that. There's a lot more to it, and I think this group understood or found that out, and, and we, weren't, we weren't where we needed to be. So I think this group coming in is, is poised to be exactly what we think we can with our length, our athleticism, and um, our experience. I think you got a great chance to get back to the tournament. Like I said, went there in 2018 and then made it to another Big West Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. Didn't win that one, but if you're adding all these pieces, I'm excited to see what, yeah. what you guys look like on the court next year. Last thing, I, last thing I always do is, I, you know, if I'm bringing people on. They usually have some level of success, and it's clear to see some of the things you've done on the court, off the court with the think tank. And so I always ask, end with the same question, you know, are, are there any daily habits or routines or thought processes or any things that you do that you feel has helped contribute to your level of success? Um, you know, yeah, I, I think, I think um, you know, a couple things that, that I try to do is, man, is I'm always – asking questions and always trying to figure out how can we do things better? How can we um, get better? And, and everyone around me knows that because I'm constantly asking that, you know, from the academic piece, before I got on with you, I was on with the National Academic Office who gave us a grant um, to help our academic program. And, and, and again, you know, we're in a downturn and, and things are not looking good, but I asked them, hey, we need more. We need more because our kids are demanding that and, and, and we, don't, we don't want to get cut. They don't deserve to get cut. And so um, for me, I'm, I'm just constantly seeking a way to validate some of the things that we do. But then also, what can we do that are, that, that's different? You know, I think the biggest thing for me is just becoming aware of who I am and what I'm trying to accomplish and how I'm going to go about it. Um, my day-to-day routine is, is just that. It's, it's, it's kind of taken a little bit of an altered structure now with with the search circumstances that we're under um but i i try to constantly wake up in the morning and ask the question what can i do to get better what can i do to help the guys around me the people around me get better and then when i go to bed at night i ask myself the same question what did i do to contribute to somebody getting better today how did i help them and so i'm driven by that and so if it's you know, reading a book or, or passing along a book. Like I keep, 
there's two of my favorite books that I'll share with you. And I, and literally I pass them out probably more than this, than the, the writers do. Um, the energy bus by John Gordon. I, I am infatuated with that book and it's a small, quick read, but it's such a powerful and dynamic concept so much so to where I'm driven by people's energy. I have an innate ability to feel your energy. And if I don't like it, I'm getting the hell away from you. But if I do like it, I'm going to gravitate towards you and try to soak it up or give you some of what I have so that we can create something positive together. Um, and then the other one is a book by Kevin Eastman. It's called Why the Best Are the Best. And basically, he took 25 words, and it's not just basketball specific. It's across the board. It's companies, um, small businesses, people that have found the level of success. And why are you successful? And he's created this book that encompasses these 25 words that are defined by all of these successful people. And it, it, to me, man, it's, it's, it's almost biblical. Like I can read the book and, and, and I just, I just open it and just it's literally, it's like the Bible in a lot of ways, man. I'll just open it and see, oh man, start reading that. And somehow, some way it'll, it'll deal directly with something that I'm going through or something that like, I, I've got more notes in that book. Like my players' names are in the book because I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to photocopy it. Most of them have it already. I'm going to say, hey, go turn to page 75 and read 75 to 80 and then call me. Let's talk. And so, you know, those are things that, that we try to do, man, in terms of just helping our guys, educate our guys on what's out there and, and what's available to them. And, and then how are you going to go and get it? Uh, and that's what drives us. So um, in short, just finding a routine finding a routine that fits your schedule and then working your behind off to find a way to uh, have a positive impact on not only yourself, but people around you. Give to others. Um, and that's something that I believe in and something that I'll, I'll die for. Yeah, I love that. And you were talking about getting better each day. I've done quite a few of these and two of the common denominators, you know, people list multiple different things, but two things that almost every coach says, working out, and just work, just focusing on getting better each day. I and mean, you started with that. It's like getting better. When you go to bed at night, what can I do to be better tomorrow? So mm-hmm. obviously there's some, there's some there. Anybody out there listening? Mm-hmm. Man, working out a little bit, clear your head, stay, keep your body mm-hmm. and, and your mind in a good and in a good physical condition. And mm-hmm. then just every day, try to be better today than you were yesterday. You know, mm-hmm. and that sounds sounds like some good stuff, man. So. Yeah. Thank you so much for making the time to come on. And like I said, man, I I respect what you're doing, not just as a coach and and the path you've taken, but knowing that you're putting other people in in position to be successful and and giving them the resources, man, that's that's rare. So, brother, please, I know you said you think about stopping it sometimes. If you ever think about stopping it, call me. I'm (laughs) I'm going to uplift you and remind you. Yeah. Don't stop. We need it. We need it. Definitely. Definitely, man. Well, I appreciate it. And this is a unique opportunity. We've been connected by some people, but. Um, I'm, I'm really appreciative of this opportunity and hopefully this, this continues. Um, I think these types of opportunities are invaluable um, for guys to be able to sit and speak with you and, and be able to tell their story in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So for you and to you, we are appreciative of what you're doing uh, and creating this medium uh, for guys like myself to get online here and tell your story and, and, and hopefully it motivates or inspires someone else or or just, you know, gives them some life lessons that they can take and extract from this information and, again, try to be better. So we can't say thank you enough to you, man, for creating this opportunity for, for guys like myself. Man, I appreciate it. The same back to you, man. A lot of respect right here for you. So good Definitely. luck to you the rest of this summer. Hope you get back on the court. 
get get back working with the guys, man. And good luck to you next season, coach. Thank you. Same to you. Take care. All right, brother. Take care. See you. Thank you, Coach Taylor, for coming on and spending some time with us. Really appreciate it. Good luck to you next season. Moving forward, guys, we are not slowing down. My next episode, we'll have Jack Owens, Miami University head coach. After that, we'll have Porter Moser, head coach from Loyola, recently a Final Four team. And then after that, we're going to be bringing on Kevin Keats, head coach at NC State. So as you can see, we're not slowing down. We got some great coaches coming up. I'm really excited about where we're going. I'm really excited about the support that I've been receiving and a lot of the feedback about how these coaches seem to be very comfortable sharing their experiences. And I think I'm getting better at facilitating that conversation. So it feels good to grow personally and as a, as a show. So thank you for your support. I'm not going to stop. And thank you for everything you're doing because all we want to do is bring you the details because you know what? Greatness is in the details, guys. Thank you so much. Like I said, we're not slowing down. Come back next week, and we're going to keep the party going. All right? Have a great week. Peace.